welcome to Betsy Goes to the Movies. I'm Betsy. This week we start off 2022 with Masters of the Universe. This is probably the most amazingly bad movie I've seen in a long time. It truly defines the concept of so bad it's good. There is literally nothing good about this movie except the acting, which I enjoyed and I'm not being sarcastic, unless you count Dolph Lundgren running around in nothing but a Speedo and lots of body oil. But the combination of bad with the over-the-top special effects and writing and acting just make it a wonderfully bad movie that I enjoyed and will try not to watch again anytime soon. So this came out in 1987. It stars Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor, who was amazing by the way, makeup not so much, Meg Foster as Evil Lynn, Billy Barty as Gwildor, Chelsea Field as Tila, John Cipher as Men-at-Arms, Courtney Cox as Julie, and Robert Duncan McNeil as Kevin. My podcast episodes are released Thursdays. I post episode notes and updates to my website at BetsyGoesToTheMovies.com and updates on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at BetsyGoesToTheMovies. If you have any good, funny, campy, cheesy, so bad it's good, or just plain bad movie suggestions, please email me at BetsyGoesToTheMovies at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes if you listen there. It's the only way Apple will put my podcast into their rotation for suggested listening. It's amazing how no cars drive by until I start talking. There's going to be a lot of background noise because, as per usual, it's North Carolina, which means it's currently 75 degrees, and so all of the windows are open. My house is amazing because it was built in 1850, but it is insanely energy efficient, so if I can get the inside temperature really warm, then on Monday when it drops to wind chill factors in the 20s with a chance of snow Monday morning, this house will stay warm on its own for like a good three days. Anyway, now that you know way too much into the inner workings of my energy plans, uh, moving on. So, Happy New Year. It's not stellar. I found the Skeletor Happy New Year meme on the Nerds with Vaginas page and immediately knew I had to do this movie. Y'all, this movie has a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh my god. So I'm looking forward to a little 1980s Dolph Lundgren eye candy, which is probably the only thing I'm going to get out of this film. Castle Grayskull looks like a cartoon. Like it, like it was drawn. Drawn very well. The opening credits alone. Y'all, so much neon. Courtney Cox is in this? <laughs> actually recognize some of these names. Not Christina Pickles. I don't recognize her. Meg Foster's Evil Lynn. Wasn't there a She-Ra movie? Clearly something I have to look up now. This music, this is 100% like superhero go save the day stuff. Like we have a fanfare going here. So many sparks. They look like stormtroopers. I don't remember automatic weapons being part of the He-Man universe. Like, it looks like, a, you know what these guys look like? They look like Cobra from G.I. Joe. Wow. So, clearly, I haven't seen this in a very, very long time because I forgot that Skeletor is a mask over a face. Like, that's why when he was walking in, I didn't realize that was Skeletor. And he's wearing a robe. I don't see his armor. Like, he's wearing a, a cowled robe. And his face is a mess. Like, he has blinking eyes and teeth. And, and I'm trying to remember, you know, this was in the 
1987, so it's not like they had the same effects they had now where you could essentially black out somebody's eyes. But, I mean, surely there's something they could have done with fabric? But the mask is moving. It's like it's flush. Okay, moving on. So Skeletor is trying to do something to the sorceress and they look like they're having sex. Alright, so he's declaring his victory because the sorceress of Grayskull is his prisoner. He's taken her powers, probably why he looked like he was having an orgasm. I just don't remember Skeletor's mouth moving as much. Ooh, and then we have Dolph Lundgren wearing nothing but a strappy chest thumping. He was hot then. He's hot now. Oh, they, they have phasers. I don't remember that either. Also, I would just like to say, uh, going back to my Stormtrooper analogy, that's about as how effective their aim is. So he's fighting them, and he's got a sword and a dagger. They've got phasers. It's, it's like the third or fourth one that he actually fights in hand-to-hand -hand combat before they're like, oh, wait, we can shoot this guy. They're literally using their phasers as if their phasers are swords, just just to, you know, parry and block. Right. And then they, he's a big guy standing right in front of him. Somehow they all miss. So, no, there's that. Definitely don't remember Gwildor looking like this. Uh, 80s fantasy sci-fi movies with super jumpy cinematography that would randomly focus on a body part and then the face. We got a lot of He-Man's chest during the fight, by the way. Not sad about that, but after I, I, I realized if I were trying to watch this in a theater today, I would probably be throwing up in the aisle. So, okay, confused here. Admittedly, it's also been a long time since I've watched the, the cartoon. Um, lots of technology. So why is He-Man, their hero, running around wearing nothing but a cape, a, not loincloths, what is, there's a term for it, uh, basically shorts. His, he doesn't have any other armor. He's got boots, this cup thing, and then straps that go across his chest that hold his cloak, or his cape rather, in place. And he's got a sword and a dagger, and that's all he's got to work with, right? Grayskull's entire army is, like, decked out head-to-toe in full-body armor, carrying phasers. Tila and what's-his-face, full-body armor, carrying phasers. Gwildor is opening his workshop with advanced locks. Why is He-Man... Oh my god, I don't know if you all can hear that, but Mr. Peepers just saw it. The, the birds are at the theaters. Mr. Peepers is losing his mind. Anyway, I, I just feel like there's a huge disparity here between what's going on in this world and what He-Man's been given to work with. Okay, moving on. The Gwildor sound makes me feel claustrophobic. All right, we got the cosmic key. Can open destinations anywhere in the universe. Skeletor's after the cosmic key. He wants to kill Gwildor so he doesn't make another one. Tila's calling Gwildor a little worm. Don't you realize what you've done? And after he's already said, I regret making this. If I had known, I never would have made it. I feel like her response, like, like writing-wise, maybe her response should have come before he said, I regret what I've done and I wish I had never done it. Anyway, moving on. Okay, confusion time. Um, I feel like this recording is going to be very, very long. I do edit them. 
Yeah, I just keep having to pause the movie as I'm just like, wait, what the hell is going on here now? So I'm really confused. I'm also only 10 minutes and 30 seconds in. So, hey, uh, not a record, but close. So Gwildor makes this key because Evil Lynn, who is beautiful, came and asked him for it. So he's like, Ethanarians are a trusting race. We are peaceful. We don't believe that bad things happen. So sure, of course I'm going to make this. How am I supposed to know you're going to use something that's designed to open a gateway to any place in the universe for evil? Anyway, so if he only made one and there's only one in existence and he gave it to Evil Lynn and that's how Skeletor got into the city and destroyed everyone, how does he have it back? Like, how did he get it back? Because I can't imagine that's something that Skeletor is just going to be like, hey, bud, got this done. Here you go. You can have this again. By the way, we're going to kill you so you can't make another one. So wait, now Skeletor has his own key. So Skeletor's got a key and he's got a key. Then how can his key be the only one in existence? Unless Skeletor's key isn't cosmic? Gwildor, the trusting, peace-loving Thanurian, somehow has a secret passage so he can escape. So he can't give them the coordinates to get to the, the sorceress because if he does, he'll give away their position to Skeletor, but he has a secret passage that conveniently goes directly under Grayskull, which I don't know why he didn't just say that. And somehow they were found anyway. Dude, shut up. Nobody cares if you like adventures. Just go. It's a cute little workshop. Okay, see, Card, they gave him eyes that match who he is. Skeletor's just got human eyes. Skeletor is not human. They could have done, like, black lenses or something. <sighs> That's apparently going to be my obsession of the movie. So they are magically, like, suddenly inside Castle Grayskull, yet, again, don't know why you needed the coordinates. I just feel like He-Man's costume is very wildly inefficient. Like, lose the cape. The cape is what's making it so inefficient. Also, I'm, just, I'm realizing now, like, thinking back on the cartoon, Adam was always fully dressed. It was when he switched to He-Man that all of a sudden he was wearing, like, three pieces of cloth that were strategically strapped around his body. I will say this, because you know how it's a thing, especially in games, where men always are fully decked in armor and women get, like, a chain that straps across their boobs, and somehow that's supposed to be as effective. I love how in the 70s and 80s, these movies... It was, like, equally ridiculous for how little armor and clothing both genders wore. Oh, his scabbards on his back. That's right. He does have a phaser. So, wait, if He-Man has a phaser, what's the point of the sword? Like, I, I know in the cartoon it was, like, the source of his power, but he's, he's walking around in an open cavern where he could be attacked at any point, and instead of the phaser, a long-range weapon being in his hand, he's got the sword. But when they were in Gwildor's workshop, he had the phaser out. Like the workshop, which is smaller than my living room. My living room is tiny. Okay, back to the movie. <laughs> this is this is actually going to be a recording of, wait, I don't understand massive plot hole. <laughs> I have to compete the graphic tonic tones. I'm going to randomly start mashing buttons all up and down this thing. Gildor, get back there and hide behind this little tiny pedestal. All three of you crouch down, even though you're out in plain sight. It, it kills me how movies like this get these actors. Because Frank Langella Jr. 
who plays Skeletor is an incredible stage actor and he's done some pretty solid film work. He's won four Tonys. And he actually like this part, I'm I'm getting theater Shakespeare vibes from the way he plays this. I just feel like it's it's just a shame because he's actually bringing something to the character and then you have his appearance which is lacking and it just kind of sucks. Like now that we're getting close-ups of him as he's taunting He-Man, you can see his nose is it's not like actual holes in the mask, it's just material. So that makes it look even more like something that was bought at a Halloween store. Which is weird because when you look at like Gwildor's and Karg's makeup and masks, they're actually pretty impressive. I mean, for the movie and the time. But oh, it's it's kind of like um oh shoot, what was the movie I did? Blackula, where all of the costuming was just so beautiful until it came to the monsters. Anyway, okay, back to this. Just really disappointed in how Skeletor's makeup and costuming was done when everyone else's is actually pretty accurate to the cartoon and looks like more effort was put into it. <laughs> Let her go. No, I don't think so. I love that that's actually his response. I don't think so. No. Oh my god. Why, dude? Man of Arms just starts yelling out, you would threaten her. It's like, dude. Oh, so, okay. Now that Man of Arms decided to yell out, you're gonna dare threaten the sorceress and completely give away his Tila's and Gwildor's hiding position, and I use the term loosely, uh, Evil Lynn sees Gwildor and realizes that he's got another key, so I guess he made that without telling Skeletor, so that's why there are two keys, even though he told him there was only one in existence. There's not. There's two. Moving on. Glad we could have that little mystery solved and now it's away. There's like phaser fire going around in Skeletor with his not great mask. Looks like somebody just offered him a cup of tea. Dude, okay, so I also remember Skeletor being more of a badass. Like, how is it he's the leader of all of this and he is completely unarmed? Like, there's phaser fire going around him and he's, it's like it's dawned on him his, he's actually in danger. He has no weapon. His staff, he's not doing anything with his staff. Instead, he's surrounded himself with his guard. Wildor's still sitting there, like, just randomly mashing buttons all over the place. He sounds amazed that his invention is working. It looks like a disco ball. <sighs> Guys, the writing. Oh, my God. Oh. So, they get the wormhole, door, gate, whatever the fuck it is, thing open. And they're yelling, come on, He-Man, let's go. And He-Man, who was the one saying, get it open, move faster, is like, yeah, no, I'm not going to leave her. Dude, you're hiding behind a pillar with one phaser against, like, 50 men. What the fuck? Just go. You literally have an entire day to figure this out. He is also using his sword as a shield. I am not kidding. He's firing. He's using it to reflect laser blasts back at the guard, which, cool, that's that's a great use of it since they're in a firefight. I just can't help but think, wouldn't a shield 
actually be a little more effective. Okay, moving on. Dude, Wildor, shut the fuck up and go. Stop standing there in shock and amazement that this thing you invented that has already worked multiple times is working going, the door, the door. And he's standing in the middle, like out in the open, just yelling, the door. Why? And of course the key gets shot out of his hand. And of course he drops it. And of course Mel Skeletor has both keys. Oh, Skeletor does not have both keys. So Skeletor doesn't get the key because one of them has a grappling hook that they send through the door to pick up the key and it magically works. Cool. On board with that. And so now I just really don't understand what the whole point of that scene was, except maybe create dramatic tension. I don't know. It just felt like it dragged out and was pointless. So he's screaming, He-Man lives and possesses that key. Monitor all frequencies. I know he was pushing buttons at random. I don't care. They'll use it again. Lock it in. Going back to my point, as they have all of this technology, why is He-Man dressed like a barbarian? So the cosmic key, which can open places to anywhere in the universe and on which he was just randomly pushing buttons, magically dumps them out somewhere on Eternia. Lucky for them. And in the green screen, when they're coming out of the wormhole, like you see Tila and Man of Arms get thrown out. You see Gwildor get thrown out. And then all of a sudden, He-Man's just there. So Gwildor lands upside down in water. Apparently, Cimmerians have gills. And instead of getting himself out, he just like freaks out and starts paddling around. So then he blows out his gills and soaks them all with water and they're laughing. I would not be laughing. I would be furious. I would probably be throwing up. Well, Tila overreacts. So they're apparently not in Eternia. They're on any random planet anywhere in the galaxy. And she's calling him names and freaking out. Like, you got us here. You got us home. They were literally screaming at him, get us out of here anywhere. Just push buttons. He's just randomly pushing buttons. He had no time whatsoever to sit there and go, hmm, what are some coordinates I can plug into this thing? Why Why does she keep doing this to him? Like, one minute she's fine and happy, and then the next she's, like, threatening his life when absolutely nothing that has happened has been his fault except for him giving Evil Lynn a key without vetting her first. Also, okay, so it turns out this device he built stores its home coordinates, so all he has to do is just, uh, what is it? Punch the energizer switch and then it doesn't say what else he has to do because he realizes the key is not in the grappling hook and they don't know where it is. Anyway, back to my thing. Why go through this whole dramatic, we could be anywhere, we could be on any planet, on any of thousands of planets and thousands of galaxies. Why not just say right off the bat, so I don't know where we are right now, but I can get us home. Because he literally made it sound like they were doomed to wander the universe forever unless they just happen to get lucky. Man, they hear rustling. Man of Arms scans it with his cute little handheld device that's got these weird little spinny thingies on the end. He's like, alien life form, big. Tila, let me blast it. I, I just, yeah. Okay, moving on. It's a cow. It's literally a cow, guys. She says by the sorceress, it's ugly. It's a cow. Did they land on Earth? Wait. 
All right, so they're going to go off and try to find the key, and Glilgor's going to make friends with the cow. It's a pretty little cow. Yep, they're on Earth. Oh my god, it's a young Courtney Cox. So, Courtney Cox works in a fast food joint called Robbie's, where everybody has to dress up like cowgirls. And she's going through this whole the 80s life thing of everybody has changed. She apparently is has decided to on a life journey and go to Jersey to start her life anew and get away from her boyfriend who she feels that they've outgrown each other and her parents in this town and everything and start fresh. And wherever she is, Jersey is 3,000 miles away from that. So, all right, now that we're up to speed. All right, Tila has found Robbie's. Oh, said in man-at-arms. She's lecturing him because he followed his nose straight to food and not the key. Apparently, they're all at Robbie Ray's. Ew, he's just drinking barbecue sauce. It's all over his beard. It looks disgusting. All right, so now they're all eating fried chicken and ribs and not looking for the key. Apparently, Tila is learning that she is vegetarian after discovering they're eating meat. That seemed like a waste of time. Gildor is also grossed out. So now they're back to searching. Okay, we're back with Julie. She's at her parents' grave. Her parents are dead. That's why she wants to get out of town. Kevin's just like, it's not your fault. Let's go do my sound check. She's like, but it's my fault they died. Because I told them I was going to stay home and study instead of going to the beach. So they flew to Catalina instead. Yada, yada, yada. Touching moment. Seriously? <laughs> I just... <sighs> This movie is an hour and 45 minutes long, and I feel like we could have easily cut out 20 minutes already. All right, so Julie finds the key. Great, so Kevin thinks it's a Japanese synthesizer, and he starts pushing buttons. Naturally, he wants to keep it. By the way, did I mention that Kevin is in a band? So apparently Kevin is playing prom for the local high school, so he's going to amplify the key. The key he thinks is a, is a synthesizer, which then when he pushes the key that actually activates it, I'm guessing is when Skeletor is going to lock onto it and find out where they all are. Skeletor is such a pessimist. Evil Lynn's just like, cool, good, we found the key. And he's like, you're too easily pleased. Time is of the essence. Yeah, but you know what? You've got, you're one step closer than you were. And then he goes, have you selected the mercenaries? And she's like, yeah, here and waiting your command right behind you. We have Blade, Sarad. See? Great makeup. Contacts. Easily could have been done with Skeletor. Beastman. And Karg. All of whom look a lot more believable as their characters than Skeletor. Moving on. Alright, so Skeletor's dudes are now in the high school gym. And Julie's looking at me going, Carl? Oh, she's not looking at them. She hears the sound. I will say, you know how green screening in older movies doesn't always hold up. This is actually, like, you can clearly tell it's green screened, but I have definitely seen a lot worse. Okay, so now the goons are beating up the janitor. Julie yells, leave him alone. They are now firing at her and missing. Karg is just like, what the fuck is wrong with you all? She might be the one who knows where the key is. Maybe stop trying to kill her. Beastman is now covered in tinsel and it's kind of hilarious. So despite the fact she really probably is the only one who knows where the key is and maybe they should stop trying to kill her, Blade, of course, tries to kill her. She throws ammonia in Beastman's face. That looks painful. Prom's totally on fire now, just wrecked. But miraculously, He-Man is just a few steps away. Julie is running through the alley screaming, help me. 
which is essentially leading the bad guys to her position. Which, considering how good she is at, like, running and hiding and getting away, I feel the the screaming is just a terrible idea. As she runs right into He-Man's arms. I would stop screaming, too. She's hysterical. He picks her up and carries her to safety. I'm very jealous of Courtney Cox right now. We have strategically placed barrels of gasoline. He gives her a phaser. I also get the feeling that everyone who's in this just had a lot of fun. Like the acting is, it's not bad acting. It's over the top acting. Like, I don't know, but there's a vibe to it. Like, like they just went with it and had fun with it and just are being overly dramatic on purpose. And because not because they're taking the role seriously. Julie's pretty damn good with that phaser. Also, I love a proactive damsel in distress. She's sees that Sador is about to shoot He-Man in the back and yells, no, and gets He-Man instead. Finally, He-Man's sword comes in handy for something other than blocking phaser blasts when he and Blade get into a sword fighting match in this world of phasers and long-range technology. Oh, Julie's so busy watching He-Man with his oiled skin and no clothing fight that she misses card coming up behind her. But that's okay, because He-Man doesn't. Okay, Tila and Man of Arms show up. He-Man has taken Courtney Cox, sorry, Julie, into his well-muscled arms and is offering her reassurance. Kevin, meanwhile, is still running around town carrying this frickin' key that he thinks is a synthesizer. He then proceeds to take it into a music store where he activates it for his buddy, and they're like, oh, far out, fantastic. It's all psychedelic, man. Is that Rick Moreno? It looks like him. So, okay, <laughs> again, why? So he takes it in, he shows it to his buddy. He's like, have you ever seen anything like this? This is so, buddy Charlie, by the way, uh, this is so different, check it out. So they play a couple of keys, push the red button, the beginning of the portal comes up, and then he turns it off. He's like, okay, well, and he actually says, I guess if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Thanks, take care. And he starts to leave. And Charlie's just like, wait, what? A similar reaction to the one I had. Bunch of cops and fire trucks drive by. Charlie, of course, has a police scanner. They learn that there's a fire at the high school. Kevin freaks out. Julie's there. Takes off. Now we're back with He-Man, who is explaining to Julie that they have to find the key to defeat Skeletor, that the creatures were after her for a reason, describes the key to her, and she's like, oh yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. So now everybody's reconverging on the high school. We still have an hour and six minutes left. I can't wait to see what other things come up that we don't really need. Somehow Carl was not burned. Kevin's freaking out because he can't find Julie, so he's going to run back into the high school carrying this thing. Oh, who's the guy who's playing the detective? Because I've seen him in a million things. All right, so now Kevin's freaking out. He's like, my girlfriend's missing. Why aren't you out looking for her? To the cops who literally just got to the high school who are just now finding out for the very first time that there was another person other than the janitor there and who clearly should have dropped what they were doing to go and try to find Julie. Anyway, he's, he's upset. I'll give him that. But instead of being like, look, we're just now finding this out. Give me everything you can about her, where you last saw her, 
so we can start looking for her. They're like, fine, we're going to take a little ride. We're going to go to her house. We're going to do this. Did you start this fire? Okay, somehow Gildor has learned how to drive a car and open the doors on this, is that a caddy? Yeah, on this caddy from the driver's seat without getting out. And he has somehow, in the 10 minutes that it took for this whole fight scene, has managed to build or invent something that will superpower the car and connected it all using earth parts that he somehow magically understands how they work. I guess the Nurians are very resourceful. Skeletor is getting super threatening with evil Lynn because that's how you build alliances. All right, Skeletor is pissed with his minions because they failed. It's like, give me one more chance. Skeletor's like, no, peace out, Saldor. Uh, poor beast man. Like he got doused with ammonia in his eyes. Now he's like trying to grovel at Skeletor's feet. And then evil Lynn's like, it's a pity to waste his talents. He's like, yeah, I'm putting you with this group because screw you. You're the one who organized this and you failed. So you're going with them. And she's like, wait, that's not what I meant. And he actually says, then you should not have spoken. Leave immediately. I mean, you know, hey, thumbs. Wow. So that's kind of amazing. Uh, Julie goes to a payphone and calls her house at which Kevin and the detective have shown up and it miraculously is all perfectly timed so that Kevin's the one who answers the phone as she's calling. I don't know why she thought he would be there. She lives alone, so I don't know why she called her house, which is packed up because she's moving to Jersey, remember? It, it's, it's just kind of amazing how that so magically lined up. He pretends that it's somebody calling for Julie, so somehow Kevin, who started off the, you know, being introduced to us as this kind of like not super smart musician guy, has contrived this whole thing where he's sort of speaking in code to Julie over the phone so that she knows that there's somebody there with him and he can't really talk. And they're determining that he still has the key. And he then kind of blows it because the cop grabs the phone out of his hand after Julie's hung up. And then he tries to like nonchalantly go, oh yeah, it's just some friend of hers. Are you hungry? After she tells Kevin, don't do anything with the thing. Leave it alone. We're on our way. So my guess is the detective is about to start pushing buttons. All right. Detectives picked up the key. Kevin's like, oh, it's a synthesizer. And Kevin, despite the fact that Julie told him to leave everything alone, is like, yeah, just push these buttons. And then, so the te detective starts pushing the buttons, which make music. And he's laughing. He's like, this is really cool. And then he's like, this isn't a synthesizer. All right. Everyone's back on earth being evil. Lynn is now with them. How are they not tripping over these capes? I would have gotten my legs tingled up so many times by now. Uh, her scanner lets her see in the past so she can see He-Man's battle. By the way, Meg Foster is still just stunningly beautiful. She's basically calling them out on the fact they were like, oh, we were outnumbered. She's like, yeah, no, there was one person. Oh, so now Kevin's telling the detective to push the red button. The, you know, remember when Julie was like, don't touch anything, we'll be right there. So they keep pushing the red button long enough to start activating the key and then turning the key off before the wormhole starts, but it's still enough for Skeletor to get a lock on it. And we learned that microwaving jams the signal. By the way, I actually do love Eva Lynn's makeup. Like her eyeshadow is great. 
So, uh, when the crot guard decides to overload the jamming frequency, which blows up the microwave, Kevin goes for the fire extinguisher. The detective goes for a dish towel, which he just kind of flaps at the smoke. All right, detectives accusing Kevin of having something that was stolen that is clearly not a normal instrument you find lying around. And Kevin tells him, if you don't believe me that I found it in Laurelwood Cemetery in a flower bed, go ask Charlie. Charlie being the guy he took the thing to and said, hey, I found this. What is it? Is anybody looking for something like this? Charlie, who was not there at the beginning and who has absolutely zero way of corroborating his story. Meanwhile, Julie's on her way there. I don't know what the detective's going to do when he sees He-Man. Yes, he can actually just take that. He's a detective. It's what he can do. Oh, that is such a beautiful little cabin. I love that. All right. So Burger King product placement. Um, Evelyn and company are flying through the air. And Trila, man of arms, man at arms. And Gwildor are zipping through town and they're souped up caddy. All converging on Kevin's location. Of course, Evelyn makes it there first. So another thing, I actually feel like their reactions are kind of authentic. I mean, I I watch movies a lot, and I'm like, that's stupid. I would never do that. But I would have this kind of reaction. If some, if a giant beast man burst into my house, not going to lie, my gut reaction would probably be to freeze in shock and then yell, get out of here. Also, these guys are just fucking dumbasses. You have a human who is in the last location of the cosmic key, and instead of asking him where it is, you're going to beat the fuck out of him and then pull back a handful of claws to start slashing his throat. Please explain to me how this is going to help you find the thing you're looking for. It's like in the gym when Blade tried to drive his swords through the stage that Julie was crawling under and then fired bolts at her head when she was running. As Karg is yelling, we need her alive. Mr. Peepers is sort of blocking the screen. He likes watching TV, by the way. And I'm not terribly upset about it. Um, Evelyn has a collar that when put on someone makes them compliant. And he's completely down to answer all of her questions. And yet the crack guard is still trashing the house, overturning boxes and all that. Wouldn't it just be faster to let her ask her questions instead of just taking the time and energy to trash everything. I feel like a lot of Skeletor's failures come from how inefficient the people who get put in charge of his missions are and how little common sense they show. Beings, whatever. Anyway. Also, apparently Evelyn's color makes Kevin speak like he's from their world and not a small town in America in the 1980s. All right, so now Evelyn found out where the key is. Well, she found out the key's not there. Again, more efficient than trashing the place. And Karg found a picture of Julie and he's like, yeah, this is the girl who's helping He-Man. I don't know what good that's going to do, but Evelyn seems to think that it might prove useful. And they are pieced out leaving Kevin stuck with this stupid fucking collar on. Again, inefficiency. Wouldn't it have made sense for her to bring the collar with them? If that's how she's tracking this device, Aren't they going to need it again? I love the dramatic gestures with the capes. Every time she stops and stands, she has to take a corner of the cape and swirl it around her. As they miss Tila 
man at arms and Gilder by seconds because of course Evil Lynn and company take off as they pull up in the caddy that has like the specialized engine on it but somehow drives like a normal car so they all run into the front door and then they freeze like the four of the I forgot Julie's with them too and He-Man so the four of them are standing right inside the entrance of the door He-Man says stop fan out they don't move Tila says I'll clear over here they are literally standing in a bunch by the door. Nobody has gone in any other rooms. So Kevin's still wearing the collar, which nobody seems to recognize. Julie asks him what happened. He says, they asked me for the key, but I didn't have it. He then says, Kevin, did they take it? The listening skills in this movie are just deplorable. Oh, now Julie realizes that there's a collar on him as Mana Arms tries to get it off. He-Man asks, who put it on you? He says, a woman with strange eyes. Oh, it's Evil Lynn. Her eyes were actually pretty normal. Oh, hi, Sunny. I also feel like now that the collar is off, Kevin's freakout is completely legit. So Julie's like, oh, these are my friends. Trust me. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me right now? Have you seen this place? What the hell? Who are these guys? So Kevin tells them the key is probably at Landmark Mall. And Heeman's like, cool, can you tell us how to get there? He's like, no. All right, the policeman's at the mall with the thing, and he's like, is this Russian? Yes, this came out during the Cold War. Lucky for him, uh, Heeman and company pull up before Evil Lynn does. So... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, they all walk in the store. You've got Tila and Man-at-Arms who are in full like armor. He-Man, who's wearing his chest... So he does have like a little chest plate thingy. It fits perfectly between his pecs and his little shorts and his cape and his boots and that's it. And like there is no possible way that they look like they even all came from the same world. And the detective's just like, how do I get the feeling? I've been looking for you all night. Okay, James Tolkien plays the detective. Oh, sort uh, Evil Lynn has shown up, by the way. I'm just, it's driving me crazy because I've seen James Tolkien in so many things and I am just spacing. Wow, he is 90 years old. Yeah, he started acting in 1960. Ooh, The Werewolf of Washington. I should do that for the werewolf movie marathon. He was Napoleon in Love and Death. The Amityville Horror, he was the coroner. Like, he's been in a lot of things and I'm, he was in Wings. War Games, he was the FBI agent. That's where I know him from the most. God, I love that movie so much. Nightmare. Oh, he was the voice. Uh, Hill Street Blues. Back to the Future. Remington Steel. He was the commander in Top Gun. Miami Vice. True Blood. 1989. I feel like I've seen that. Dick Tracy. Oh, he was in Tales from the Crypt. He was in Underworld. Oh, he was in Leverage. I love that show. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, uh everybody's trying to shoot each other and they're totally trashing this music store. So Tila is in the storeroom with the humans guarding them. She gives Kevin the detective's gun. Kevin's like, uh, I don't know what to do with these. And Julie's just like, what about me? And then she goes out. She's like, you needed a woman's touch. Okay. Detective's trying to get the gun back. Kevin's like, no, all right, so detective is threatening them all with jail time. Julie looks out the window and sees her dead mother. Uh, I'm guessing this is an evil Lynn thing. 
detective's trying to get the gun away from Kevin. And Julie's just like, oh, okay, well, they're over there fighting, so I'm going to sneak out the door and go figure out what my dead mom's doing in the alley. Gildor gets the gun, fires it, tells them, grow the fuck up, I've got work to do. Julie runs in, is like, there's a live, grabs the key and gives it to her dead mom, who somehow she believes is alive. And hey, guess what? It's not your dead mom, it's Evil Lynn, who now has the key. Both of my parents are dead, but you know, if my mom showed up, I would just be like, no, wrong. This is not real. Yeah. All right, drawn out scene where they're trying to get away from the music store. So Charlie and Lubeck, the detective, come out of the back room. Everyone else has run away. And the store is on fire. And Lubeck looks at Charlie, grabs Charlie's shotgun that he has there, and says, okay, you stay right here in the burning store. And Charlie just, just goes, okay. Evil Lynn's carrying the key like it's her baby. So the key opens the door when she starts pushing all the buttons. They're staring at this thing, which looks exactly like the same thing that they jumped into to get to Earth when they were pushing buttons. And He-Man says, what's happening? And Little Dork's like, oh, somebody must be opening a door. It's the key. So if what they wanted was the key, and if Skeletor's ability to take over Eternia depends on He-Man's involvement, why? Why would they open the key to bring Skeletor's crack troops to Earth? Why wouldn't they just take the key and leave? and leave He-Man stranded on Earth. It's not even in the same galaxy. And even if Gwildor was able to make another one, how would he be able to figure out the coordinates to get them back to Eternia? And by the time he was would be able to make another one and figure out the coordinates to get back to Eternia, it doesn't matter because they had till the end of that night to try to do this or Skeletor gets all of the sorceress's power and all of the power of Grayskull, right? So all they had to do was leave He-Man there. That's it. But no, they open the key and bring everyone to Earth while the door is open. You see where I'm going out with this? Okay, back to the movie. Yeah, now Skeletor comes through. Why not? Why not bring him through? With a key. With his key. So now both keys are on Earth in He-Man's grasp. If you want to destroy He-Man, cool, great. Wait till the end of the night when all of the power of the universe is yours and then come to Earth and do it. So like this failure can't even blame be blamed on Skeletor's minions. He's, he's the one perpetuating this. Oh my God. If I were still drinking, this is when I would be like, I need a beer. Yes, you have the key. He's got the key. And now you're both on Earth. So now he's pissed at Evil Lynn and he's like, you failed because He-Man's still alive. No, she got the key. Just leave. Just fucking leave. Forget He-Man. Come back at, Come back tomorrow. That's all you have to do is come back tomorrow. All right, I'll let it go. The Air Centurions look like uh, the green plastic army men. I'm not entirely sure they're not plastic toys that are just being flown through the air. So you all know how... The one thing that drives me absolutely fucking insane in movies is when people are being chased so they run up. Not only are they being chased, but they are being chased by air centurions on discs that fly through the air. 
And He-Man's solution is for them to get on the roof of this building they're next to. Yeah. Moving on. All right. So He-Man's plan is for them to all go to the roof. He gets Gildor's grappler. He's behind them, by the way. He's not even leading the charge. Shoots an air centurion off of his disc, jumps onto the disc. So that's how he's going to go after everyone. While instead of having them hide in this building, he wants them on the roof of the building. It looks like they put Dolph Lundgren in a wind tunnel. His golden mullet is flowing in the breeze. Somehow, even though he's flying wildly through the air, he manages to hit everyone he aims at while they miss him by a mile. He's not even ducking. <laughs> All right, so he uses the grappler to get the key away from Evil Lynn. Uh, she stands there and is just like, he must not use the key, you think? So he's got the key. Skeletor and all of his forces are parading through the street. He-Man tucks the grappler into his utility belt slash Speedo shorts. Oh, somebody actually got him with a phaser. It looks like he's starting to yell fuck. Feel you on that one. Now he's upside down. Yet his mullet remains unchanged. Um, wait, okay. So, now Evil Lynn and her cohorts are leading the Skeletor parade because this seriously does look like a parade going down the street. And somehow Skeletor has not like blasted her to pieces for losing the key, which may I remind you would not have been lost if they had just all gone back to Eternia and then dealt with this the next day. I digress. And they're just calmly marching down the street. Like, do they even know where they're going? He-Man zipping along behind the other air centurion who is oblivious and not, you know, shooting him or anything, even though he's got a phaser. As they are standing on the roof in plain sight, <clears throat> Gildor is trying to configure the coordinates to get back to Eternia, and they're talking about where is He-Man, yada, yada, yada. Meanwhile, Skeletor's ship thing slowly rises up behind them. Also, have I mentioned that Skeletor is still holding his key? Like, seriously. There was a key on Earth. Evelyn had it instead of all of them just going back to Eternia. He brought his key there. Oh, that is so great. All right, they are surrounded. Gosh, if only they had been somewhere that wasn't like blatantly out and open and obvious. Good for you, Gildor. Gildor's just like, fuck you, dude. When He-Man gets here, you're screwed. Also, what was the point of a crack guard sneaking up behind them? Like, they had already surrendered their weapons. He-Man was nice enough to give Julie his cape to wrap herself up in after her traumatic experience of not realizing her dead mother was actually for real dead. All right, He-Man is still chasing the one lone air centurion who leads him straight to Skeletor. And as He-Man is flying over and realizing, oh, wow, this sucks. Maybe I shouldn't have told them all to go stand on the roof. Julie yells, it's a trap. Skeletor shoots her in the leg. All right, so Skeletor's got both keys and He-Man, who is beating the fuck out of the crack guard using his arms and legs. Oh, now he finally draws his sword. So he attacks them one at a time while they all stand behind him. And then as they rush him, we just get a camera shot of his face going, he, who, he, who. Tila and Man-at-Arms are like, oh, wait, no, we actually can defend ourselves. So they start fighting back. He-Man's getting... Overwhelmed, Skeletor's laughing. He-Man throws off all of his crack guard. Skeletor's like, fine, then I'm going to kill everyone. So now Skeletor wants He-Man to go back 
to Eternia as his slave. And I'm like, wasn't the point to kill He-Man? So He-Man stupidly believes Skeletor throws his sword down. Oh, Skeletor actually honors his promise. Clearly, this movie was made in 1987 and not any time after 1995 when it would have been. Yeah, no, killed him. All right, it takes like 10 minutes for Skeletor's little ship thingy to descend. The key was destroyed in the battle when Skeletor zapped it with his lightning crap. They're trying to take care of Julie. Lubick's running around with a shotgun yelling, come on, there's an army here. Nobody believes him. All right. Uh, ugh. It looks like acid eating her leg. Where Skeletor shot her. Apparently, it's designed to slowly spread until it eats the whole body. Charming. Only the sorceress can cure her. So Glildor is trying to explain to Kevin, yeah, we can't get back. When Skeletor zapped this key, he erased the tones that were stored in it. Except Kevin's got perfect pitch. Okay, see, this is exactly my point. Glildor is like, even if I were able to restore the power core, we don't have the tones to take us home. All Evil Lynn had to do was take the fucking key back. I, I promise last time I'm going to let it go now. Kevin luckily remembers the tones and he has perfect pitch so he can play them. I'm just confused as to when he heard it being played, but somehow he did. All right, so now we have a moment where Gildor's freaking out about Kevin is a song maker and fate brought them there to find Kevin. Kevin's doubting his abilities. So I'm skipping through the part where they all like restore Kevin's faith in himself and build up his confidence. And magically, everybody happens to have all of the things that he needs to be able to build a new key. All right, we're back at Grayskull. Skeletor is lording it over everyone. I won, ha ha. Sorceress, you're about to be annihilated. She's like, this is madness. You can end it. Dude, seriously, does he look like he wants to end this? He's, he's saying his destiny is to claim the destitution of scorn, loneliness, and something else. Anyway, she's like, men who crave power look back over the mistakes of their lives, pile them all together, and call it destiny. That is the most unpersuasive argument I have ever heard. He's laughing at her. And he's like, screw you, I've got the sword. She's all shocked. And it's like, He-Man is standing in front of you in chains. Where the fuck did you think the sword was? Paris? Heyman looks very stark. Right. More gloating. Heyman's like, I will never kneel to you. That's why you're wrapped in shackles that are wired to an electric current with uh, blades, a really bad animated whip. They got the timing wrong. They have Heyman flinching every time he gets lashed by the whip, but he's flinching before the whip actually strikes like when he's flinching is not when the whip is the animation for the whip is on his body all right kevin's back with the keyboard lubick sees him in the car starts freaking out that's him the cops he's with are just like come on not again somehow they have this casio keyboard working without a power source kevin and julie are declaring their love for each other as julie is getting worse we're back at skeletor's castle what the hell is going on here all right, so Skeletor, every time He-Man gets lashed, Skeletor looks like he's cringing. Like, like he's freaked out by it. Oh, God, the fucking, I just, why didn't they do a better job with his mask? It, the badness of his mask is detracting from the 
really good performance that Frank Lagella is actually putting on. Oh, sorry. I hope that's how you say his name. I wasn't planning on saying it so much during the recording, so I didn't look it up. All right. Skeletor is now making an announcement to the people of Eternia, and he's he's basically being projected. And the it's a barren wasteland. The only people who are watching are his guard, who are there around the platform from which he's being projected. All right, the power of the universe is beginning to fill him, which means he's glowing orange. All right, he's waxing poetic. He is more than man. He is more than life. He is a god. He's really glowing now. Somehow he is now managed to don really shiny gold armor, and he can shoot laser beams out of his eyes. All right, so they are setting the power to start the gate. Lubix behind them with a shotgun. If he fucking drags this out anymore by interrupting him, I'm going to scream because this has already taken way too long. Yep, here he goes. So he's going to try to arrest them. I can't, I can't take anymore. I have to fast forward through that. It's just the amount of attempts to draw out tension, dramatic tension, but result in kind of like dead end scenes are just maddening. Okay, so they all zap into Skeletor's throne room. They managed to bring the entire corner they were on. So the building, the car, Lubick, who lucky for them still has a shotgun. And he was just like, uh, huh, I might have chosen poorly. Dude, you have a shotgun in your hand. Here's an idea. Use it. They can't fucking hit anything. Now, Heeman's like, you promised that you were going to leave them alone. Skeletor goes, I lied. So... When he starts to zap He-Man with the rays again, now He-Man is like, okay, well, then I'm going to pull the shackles, the manacles, into the line of fire so you end up setting me free instead of, oh, I don't know, maybe doing that before you wound up absorbing the entire power of the universe and destroying my homeworld. Lubick has decided that somehow this is a Russian plot. Everyone's shooting at He-Man. Skeletor's yelling, I want him alive. Sorry, dude. Like I said, you could have left him on Earth. Okay, sorry, I said that repeated. I swear that really for real was the last time. All right, somehow He-Man, Man-at-Arms, and Tila are taking out the entire throne room full of crack guard. Sorry, I just love that that's what they're called. Evil Lynn's just like, fuck this dude, we're out of here. Um, He-Man fights all odds and Skeletor's laser powers to get his sword back and scream, I have the power, now he's glowing blue. Skeletor screaming at him, I just want to destroy you. I'm not going back into my feelings on everything. Uh, so now they have an epic fight. So when He-Man smashes Skeletor's staff, his power implodes and he reverts back to his original state. Somehow, Skeletor manages to disarm He-Man, but it's okay because He-Man gets his sword back and then throws Skeletor off of whatever thing they were on down a shaft where he just screams no all the way down. Also, there was one point in the fight, the hood of Skeletor's cloak came down and then it was back up. And I'm sorry, I don't know if you've ever worn a cowled hooded cloak, but that does not just magically fly back on your head. Like you have to stop what you're doing. Usually use both hands to get it back on and situate it perfectly. All right, so everyone is fine. Lubick has decided to stay in Eternia. He's managed to fall in love. I like him. 
Uh, Sorceress is pretty happy she is no longer being drained. She was looking pretty rough there at the end. Uh, Julie and Kevin are going back to Earth. Everyone's saying goodbye. Okay, and Gwildor winds up actually sending them back in time to when Julie's parents were still alive and gives her a chance to change the course of their lives. Pretty sure that's not how it would really work. So in an effort to get her parents not to fly, Julie steals their keys and runs out of the house in her nightgown to hug Kevin in the middle of the road. Wait, if they gave Julie the attorney a bobble, why does Kevin have it? Anyway, her parents don't get on the plane. Everything's happy for them. He-Man yelling, I have the power. God, that's the end. It's over. Not gonna lie, still not the worst movie that I've seen. Like, at least I was entertained by that one. All right, you guys. So that was Masters of the Universe. Uh, if you're really, really stoned and up for just an entertainingly bad movie, I highly recommend it. Otherwise, I'm gonna try to figure out how to give my brain an enema. Have a great week, and I will be back next week with another bad movie. It is gonna be a bad one. Oh, it's so bad. I can't believe that they're making me watch this. Anyway. Bye.